What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Podcast. Our guest for today's episode is Peter Schoenthal, CEO of Athlions. Athlions is a software program that easily helps and protects student athletes when it comes to sponsorships. On this episode, we discuss with Peter about how important it is to make mistakes, especially early on in creating a business. Peter also shares with us that at the core of a very successful businessman or businesswoman is a desire to serve others. This is one of my personal favorites. We hope you enjoy this episode. Before we get started, I want to go ahead and thank Popple for sponsoring today's episode. To say the least, Popple is the future of networking and they are slowly but surely killing off physical business cards as we know it. Popple is a device packaged as either a phone sticker, keychain, or even a wristband that uses NFC technology to make sharing contact info as easy as using Apple Pay. I myself have been a customer for quite some time now and I can't tell you how convenient and easy it has been to share my info with others. I am no longer digging in my pockets for business cards thanks to Popple. Be sure to go to popple.co or click the link in the show notes to get yours today using the discount code MINDSET to get 20% off. Pete, thank you so much for joining us on the Mindset Podcast. Um, let's get let's get right into it. Before we get started into the meat of things, we have uh, a warm-up question for you. And I think it's fitting because you're a big sports guy. And I'm really interested to know, what is your favorite sports team? Oh, my fantasy football team. Um, but no, I, I'm a, I'm a big State football fan, big Miami Dolphin fan. Um, okay, let's go Miami heat. You know, I'm, I'm South Florida born, born and raised. I did go there to grad. I went to the university of Miami for law school. So people are like, Oh, you must be a hurricane fan. And they took way too much money for me in tuition for me to be a fan. So if they <laughs> that money back, I'll think about it, but it's all moles over here, baby. Gotcha. Right. Yeah, you, you went to a pretty controversial, you know, these two schools, U, uh, UM and then FSU. People can argue that you, you, it's like a like a, a cult over there. So I'm, I'm shocked that you actually decided to go to UM for law, but that's awesome. Yeah, I just I wanted to come home. And uh, again, I'm South Florida born and raised. Miami is a really prestigious law school. Um, mm-hmm. Florida State, great law school, ranked better than Miami. It was just time for me mm-hmm. to come home, kind of like LeBron. Awesome. <laughs> awesome i love you peter we share the same pain as dolphin fans i feel you i feel you dude my entire life i was born in 2001 and i've never seen a good solid season from the dolphins and it's the same thing every year but hey 86. we have hope i was born in 86 we have hope the same way but not only do we have hope my current company athliance dan marino actually serves on our advisory board um, we do a lot of work with oh, that's sick. and so dan told me good things are coming so I'll leave it at that. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. That's great news. You heard awesome. it here first. Yeah. Let's go. Breaking news. <laughs> That's it. We can end the podcast right there. Dolphins Dolphins next season, 2022. That's good. So, so Peter, tell us a little bit about who you are, how you got started. I know we're going to get into your company, Athlions, now in a little bit. But before that, just tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah. Um, it's a great question. And it's always hard to figure out where to start on that question because we are our experiences and so many experiences will mold who you are as a person. And I don't believe that there's an initial starting point. Um, I'm a very big believer in doing things the right way and doing things for the right reasons. And so when people ask you how much luck has played into your success, I don't look at it as luck. I look at it as serendipitous luck, which is I put myself in a position by doing the right things um, to be in lucky situations, which allowed me to have a success. So my start as it pertains to athletics and my start in um, getting involved in sports tech is by coaching youth football while I was at law school. Uh, my dad wasn't really around when I was in high school and I was going down a pretty bad uh, path. And I was lucky enough to have some coaches that really saw something in me and they invested time in me and they made sure that I was on the right path in high school. And I was lucky enough to get in Florida State University. Same situation, going down a bad path, doing some really bad things in college. And uh, I had my one and only panic attack in my life. And I called that same coach 
from high school that kind of guided me when I was in high school. And after yelling at me for about 10 or 15 minutes, he said, Peter, I think you'd be a great, uh, I think you'd be a great lawyer. And so the next day I signed up for the LSAT and was lucky enough to get a good enough score on it to get into the University of Miami Law. My last year in law school, uh, my last year in law school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be a trial lawyer at the time. I knew I could get a job at certain firms. I became a public defender. But that last year, I got the best advice I've ever gotten in my life, which is go do something you love. It's your last year not being an adult, not paying bills. So I walked across the street, across uh, Grand Ave to an inner city park, and I coached youth football. And while I was out there, those kids changed my life. Um, to see kids that maybe didn't have you know, mom or dad around, didn't know necessarily where their next meal was coming from, but to show up and for those three hours on the practice field, be the happiest kids, the most focused kids, um, give it their all to me every day, no matter what was going on in their lives. That was the first time I understood purpose, all right, and and that when you're truly happy and doing something you love, you're fulfilled. And I saw that in those kids. And it kind of changed my whole perspective on life. Now, as it pertains to Athliance, and I know we'll get that to that in a minute, because Athliance is a name, image, and likeness compliance software, right? Helping student athletes stay eligible in college. Um, the way I got my start in that is by coaching. I'm a terrible coach. Um, I had kids end up at Miami, Florida State, Alabama, LSU, USF, you name it. And so if you know anything about South Florida recruiting, um, it's very dirty. So I don't want my, my kids involved with that. So I would tell them, if you're doing what you're supposed to do off of the field, I'll try to make your dreams come true on it. So if we could drive to a college, we would go. And along those trips, um, I got very close with compliance officers that run college athletic programs. Compliance officers are the gatekeeper. And they really liked me. They, they could tell that I was in it for the right reasons, that I was really there for the kids. I wasn't looking for money. I wasn't looking for benefits on my own. And so we really hit it off. Now, fast forward, and my company, again, is involved in name, image, and likeness, which is a hot topic in college athletics right now. Florida announces their legislation last, I don't know, last January, last December, a long time ago. And basically, a bunch of those kids that I coached reached out to me and said, Coach Pete, can I make money? And I said, not yet. It's not 2021 in the summer. But my first thought was, Who's going to protect these kids? I would practice criminal defense. Who's going to teach them how to file their taxes so I don't represent them in federal court on tax evasion charges? And I'm sorry for being so long-winded here. Um, and so my buddy owns a tech company. We got together and we tried to think, well, actually, let me back up because this, talks about, this goes into the serendipitous aspect. My law partner has a buddy that has a tech company. And they wanted to talk to me about name, image, and likeness. And I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to talk. And it was COVID. And I said, screw it. It's March. I'll take the call. I trust you, Anthony, my partner. You wouldn't lead me. I surround myself with people I trust. So I followed his lead. And that call changed my life. And on that call, we decided we wanted to help student athletes. And so we reached out to those compliance officers. Because I had done the right thing and done right by them, they were willing to take that call with me. And that's where we discovered that compliance officers were freaking out about name, image, and likeness because they wanted to know how they wanted to know if there was a way they could we could create a software that student athletes could disclose their deals before they sign them. Um, because once they sign their deals and take money, it's too late to protect them from an eligibility standpoint. And since then, that's how I've been dedicating my life. That's awesome, Pete. And I want to I want to backtrack a little bit because you mentioned it there for a second that those kids changed your life. And I was actually planning on asking you this a little bit later in the episode, but I thought it was fitting that it's it's pretty clear to me that you impacted those kids. And I had a chance to 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 be a part of that whole campaign with Rashad Wild Goose. Shout out to him. He's doing some incredible things over there in Buffalo. Loose baby, let's do it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So just just with a short time with Rashad, I could tell of what a big impact that you made. But I want to flip the question on you and really ask you, maybe even share some stories if you can, if you have any, um, of how much of an impact did these kids have on you? 
right? I, I know, you know, your, your companies have, have basically been birthed out of that passion. But is there anything specific that really stands out to you about, you know, some of these kids and just a shift in mindset that you've had over the, the course of years with them? Yeah, and I, and I, I, I kind of touched on it earlier, but it's a great question. And I want to flush it more. As I've gotten older, I've realized that the key to life is not chasing money. If you're chasing money, you'll always be chasing. But we all want to be successful. Right? Money has a complete value. It, it might not buy happiness, but it totally buys freedom. And we are in America, right? We all want to be successful. But it doesn't drive happiness, and it's not the end-all, be-all. So you got to be careful chasing it. What I've discovered in life, and I look back, and this is what these kids taught me, is life is all about fulfillment and recognizing and fulfilling on your purpose. We all have a purpose in life. We were all placed on this planet to do something. And I think it's our duty uh, our duty to find out what that is, to find out what it is. Um, those kids were the ones that taught me about purpose because they had every excuse in the world to be angry. They had every excuse in the world to make excuses, to be down, sad, and I'm sure at times they are. They absolutely are. But the three hours a day I had them, when they were doing the thing that they loved, you would have no idea what was going on in their home. You would have no idea. Like I would have kids come to practice and be, Coach Pete, can you buy me a honey bun? I haven't eaten all day. And I'd buy them a honey bun. And we're about, we're about to go practice in pads and hit and run. And it's 5 o'clock after school. And all they've eaten is one honey bun. And we step on the field and you would think this kid's had three straight meals and is in an NFL eating program because their energy was just contagious and infectious <laughs> and, and non-ending. Nice. And so that was where I recognized purpose. Now, fast forward to where I found my purpose. Um, I always knew that I liked helping people. Um, I just wasn't sure how. Like my first job as a criminal defense attorney was uh, a public defender. I knew I liked trial. Um, I just knew I liked being a lawyer. But then I started doing other things and everything revolved around helping. But I was never really able to put two and two together. So another group of kids changed my life. I went on a mission trip through Blue Missions. I'm not sure if you've had any Blue Missions people on here. Um, shout out Danny Rodriguez. Shout out Cheeky. Shout out Patina. Danny. Danny's a, a mindset alum. All right. Well, that makes there me feel go. worse about being on here. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I took a bunch of kids over there, and I'll never forget this. Nice. Um, we were talking with the uh, the compo, and we were talking with like the great grandmother of the compo, right? Like she had like twelve great grandkids, like fifty grandkids, like twelve kids, and we were just talking about the meaning of life, and she was like, "To live is to serve." Um, if all you do is kind of look for money and better yourself, you'll never be truly fulfilled. And she goes, that might not be true for everyone, but that's true for me. My purpose in life is helping people and I'm at my best when I help people. And that's what life is all about. My life is about making sure this place is better than where I found it. And that really, I got goosebumps. I get goosebumps talking about it. That was the moment where I found what I call my common denominator. My common denominator purpose is helping serving. Um, I actually got to live is to serve uh, tattooed on me. And so those student athletes taught me how important finding your purpose is. And that trip with those kids allowed me to find my purpose. And ever since that trip, and I've been able to tie uh, those things together, one plus one equals two, if you will, my life um, has been blessed and been an upward trajectory um, and has led to me starting this uh, software company that has been just amazing. That's incredible. And and what stuck with me from your story of how those kids helped you find your passion or motivated you to find your passion is that saying that goes something like you, you always want to live as you are a kid with that same spirit, yeah, that man. same ambition. Right. I mean, look at those kids. They're They're going out there and having a blast with a honey bun. Right. But then as we get older, I feel like you know, call it what you want, society, people in your in your life, friends, they kind of shoot down these ideas that you have. And then you get to a certain point where you're not so excited anymore to wake up in the morning and to go after it. But when you think back when you were a kid, you would think about all the all the times that you would wake up before a field trip, 
um, you know, get dressed when you had a field trip before your parents because you were just excited to go after it because you didn't know what the day uh, had in store for you. But I feel like the older we get, the more dream, um, the more dreams get killed. And it's really unfortunate. But your story reminded me of that, of always living the spirit of being just a kid. Yeah, I mean, I went through it. Um, so when I left law school, I became a public defender and I love that job. Too many cases, not enough money. Uh, but I loved the job. I loved the work. I was helping people and giving a voice to people that weren't able to do it themselves. I was able to fight for them. And I loved that job. And then you start to feel societal pressure. Living in Miami is not easy, not making a lot of money. Um, and everyone around you is like, okay, what's the next step in your career? You're supposed to go make more money and go maybe do some civil law. So I chased money. I went and took a job doing medical malpractice, defense work, making a lot more money. And I've never been more unhappy. And this was another great lesson, which is if you don't love what you do and you don't have some form of fulfillment from it, you'll never be great at it. And in order to be truly successful from a financial standpoint and a within standpoint, you have to be great at what you do and you'll only be great at it if you, love, if you love it. The difference between good and great is the little things and you're not going to do the little things that separate you unless you want to put that effort in and you love what you're doing. And I'm a true believer in that. And there'll be people on here listening that'll be like, well, I know a lot of people that make a lot of money that don't love what they do. And I would say to you that the key to life isn't just making money. It's a factor it's about happiness and those people aren't happy. And what's the point of having all that money in the bank if you're not happy, right? What, what's the point of that? Absolutely, P. I couldn't agree more. And I think I was even having a conversation with one of my buddies not too long ago and we were discussing the, you know, the value of money, right? And I think that was probably one of the biggest shifts in mindset for me was when I didn't put such a big value on money. And like you mentioned in the beginning, of course, money can buy you freedom. It can buy you things, materials, but at the end of the day, if that is your idol, if that is your end goal, then nothing will ever be fulfilling to you. Well, it's right? the hands wheel. Like exactly. If if that's your approach, your ceiling of what is enough money just keeps raising. There is no ceiling. Yep. So you're just gonna keep running. And that's why I say if, if if all you do is chase money, you'll never stop chasing. Of course. Couldn't have said it better myself. And I think it's so it's so crucial, especially at our age, right? And you know, you have so much more wisdom than Anthony and I. You've had so much so much. What is our age? Let me hear this one. <laughs> we'll clear that we'll clarify clarify that out uh, off off air. But uh, a decade for, older than you guys? Get, get out of here with that shit. You'll be surprised how much a decade can actually do. I mean, I'll be surprised no, in the I'm, last... not, I'm not surprised. I know what a decade can do. Exactly. Listen, you, know, you guys are impressive though. Because I always tell people, I would kick the shit out of my 21-year-old self, okay? <laughs> like, I, looking back, like, that guy was not this guy. And, and, <laughs> and you'll learn that over time. But you, you guys seem to yeah. be in a little bit of a different boat than, uh, than I was. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, and I like, I like to think that, you know, part of the reason that we go back to – Anthony and I preach this all the time as far as, like, when people ask us, what was the point of this whole podcast in the first place? And it was, you know, to have conversations like this with people – that they may not be much older than us, but you'll be surprised how much wisdom you can gain in a year, uh, you know, two years, three years, five years. And that's really the people that we want to surround ourselves with because some of our, our colleagues, our classmates, our coworkers that are our age or even younger may not have the opportunity to do that or the platform to do that. So we like to, of course, take advantage of that and just share people's stories like that. And I think it's so valuable for them to learn at the age that they are. Because I know when I was 17, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just wanted to play sports. I didn't, I didn't really care for, you know, financial literacy or any of these things or success. I, I thought, you know, in 10 years, my life was over. I thought I had to rush to do things. But when you really sit and realize that how long life really is and you can enjoy it, uh, you know, back to what you said, passion is in, and is purpose is going to fulfill you. Yeah, but, um, that, but I, you bring up another great point. I don't mean to cut you off there in that we feel the societal pressure, right? Yeah. I've got to get married by a certain age. I've got to graduate from this college with this degree. I've got to have this much money by a certain age. Everyone runs their own race. There is no set, I need to do this by a certain time. In fact, when you do that, that's when you make your biggest mistakes because you're not letting life come to you. Um, 
I started this 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 tech company I'm doing now out of nowhere at the age of 34, right? Um, I started my law firm at 30, but that doesn't mean that if I had done this at 50 that I was a failure, or that if I did it at 23 that I was better than myself at 34. Like I think that's the biggest issue with society is that there's these societal norms that make no sense to me. Who cares? Run your own race. I think the most successful people that are happy find success in the things they love because they failed so many times, right? I Mm. failed so many times and it's all about, I I tell people all the time, just keep grinding and and trust the process. And I like to, I have a phrase, which is it takes time for a forest to grow. And in the meantime, plant as many freaking trees as you can. Yeah. And and that 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 analogy really really I think applies to life and success. And you don't need to find success from a financial standpoint by a certain age. Mm-hmm. Your twenties are the time you should be making mistakes. Mm-hmm. You don't have kids. You're not married. Take chances. Um, mm-hmm. Your parents listen to them, but listen to them with a you know with a what is it with a with a grain of salt, right? Their parents used to tell them I used to walk 10 miles in the snow and the Beatles were drug music, right? <laughs> so like every generation, you want to listen to your elders that have the, you know, the mm-hmm. best for you, but society changed. I talked about it on Blue Missions. This is the mm-hmm. first time um, in forever, literally ever, where this generation of kids are learning that you can live and work wherever you want. And so when someone is, hey, I want to be a graphic designer and live in Boulder, Colorado, and their parents freak out, it's normal for their parents to freak out because that is not something they know, but it also doesn't make it the wrong decision. So you have to find that balance. Yeah. You know, the thing is, I think with the generation that we're growing up in now, you know, Gabe and I in our our 20s and a lot of our friends is the whole instant gratification. That's the problem. That's why when we look at our our life in the big spectrum, like, you know, from a a bird's eye view and we say, okay, we need to have this by this time because we're so used to getting everything quick, our news or, you know, loading a page, searching something. We get it so fast that we kind of are are being molded into, we expect now everything to be, to be fast, to be on our fingertips. Or, Or add that to the fact that we are only being shown by others what they want us to see. Correct. You're on yeah. social media and mm-hmm. you see some of these social influencers and they're showing you mm-hmm. their trip to New York or Bali or whatever. Right. You're not seeing right. the mundane life that they're living at times. Right. Okay. Right. And so we judge ourselves based on these snapshots, which is so unrealistic. And it's why there is a lack of satisfaction with our lives these days. We want mm. more and more and more. We want the perfect life. There is no such thing as the perfect life. Hmm. Absolutely right. You hit it on the nail with that one. And Peter, I want to I want to switch it real quick. Uh, for those who don't know what athletics is, walk us through it. So if I'm a college athlete and I go to you and I say, "Hey, Peter, I got some some deals that are coming my way," where do you go from there? Well, first you go tell your school and say, "Hey, we want athletics," um, because what we do is is we license our software to universities. So we're in a in a in a nice handful of colleges. Um, among them, we're working with uh, Kansas. Arizona, Boston College, Georgetown, West Virginia, Marshall, um, and, and others. So what we do is, is we license our software to universities. They pay us an, an annual subscription. They load all their student athletes on. So right now, student athletes for the first time can make money off their name, image, and likeness. But there's all these rules that surround it and also the ability to get taken, uh, taken advantage of. Okay. So if you're a student athlete and you're at Kansas, let's say, a school that we're working with, and you get an opportunity – you open up the platform, you plug in the terms that prompt you, like the, the, the app will prompt you to plug in certain terms, the who, what, when, where, why. Compliance will review it, give you the thumbs up or thumbs down, and therefore you can go make money safely without worrying about your eligibility being um, in jeopardy and making sure you're not getting taken advantage of. Um, so we protect the university, we protect the student athlete. Everything we do is from a lens of how can we protect these athletes? Man, College athletes have been fighting for this right for 115 years. It would be a damn shame if they lost that right because someone wasn't helping them or they made a stupid decision. And so we're trying to eliminate that. We don't take money from the kids. Um, we, it, it, we are solely here to protect. 
and the schools pay us. And it's from my understanding and from, you know, the research that I've done on the NIL and the whole thing that, you know, has been going on. It's a pretty hot topic right now in the NCAA. It's this, this is actually, you know, for, for every athlete, I, I feel like people that have, will, will think of this, they're like, okay, this is for the Trevor Lawrence's of the world. or these big guys that, you know, are on ESPN top 10 and all these, you know, draft combine picks. It's like lottery picks. It's the, you know, it, it could be a, a, a sophomore tennis player at UM that may have an endorsement deal from our betters, you know, walk us through that process. Yeah. Who is this actually for? Everyone. And how can those college athletes actually benefit from it if they don't know? Everyone, division two, II, division three, II, division one. So what you're talking about are the, the big macro deals, right? Like Coca-Cola cutting a deal with Trevor Lawrence, right? Yeah, that's one person. Yeah. yeah. You all in your generation know this. Performance doesn't drive marketability. Marketability is its own thing. There are kids at schools that aren't, you know, they're backups, backup tennis players that have th- two, 300,000 followers that has nothing to do with them being a tennis player. They can now profit off of their name, image, and likeness and use their social media. But it goes way deeper than that. If I'm a tennis player, if I'm a volleyball player, now what I can do in the offseason is, let me give an, a specific example. Let's say I'm a women's tennis player in Coral Gables at the University of Miami. In the offseason, if there's a 13-year-old girl that wants to learn how to have a better serve, I can now give her lessons and get paid. I can be an instructor. If I'm a um, offensive lineman, a backup offensive lineman in Tallahassee in the offseason, I can have lineman camp every Thursday and have all the high school middle schoolers come out, pay me 20 bucks a piece, okay, and we go over technique. And if I get 10 people out there for 20 bucks, that's 200 bucks every week. That's great money if you're in college, okay? Um if I'm a football player that doesn't play much at, let's say, the University of Southern California, but I'm from a small town in Tennessee, and I go home, I can have a camp, you know, my, my football camp for all the, the, the little kids, and have 100 kids show up, charge, you know, 20 bucks a pop, you do the math. All of these kids have some followings. I can sell swag. I can sell gear. I can charge for autographs, even if it's 10 bucks here, 20 bucks here. This is for everyone. So everyone wants to think of like, all right, how many people are going to get like endorsement deals with McDonald's? If you're looking at it that way, you're wrong. It is all about being creative, being proactive, and grinding. And if you do that, you can make money. It's just about doing it the smart way and the right way. And what ha- Peter, what has been the feedback so far from both universities and from athletes that are using your services? What are, what are they saying? Yeah, no, they're very happy with it. Like any new software, we had to work out some bugs that first week. Um, of course, yeah. We're still getting all the student athletes on the app because this was really supposed to start August 1st, not July 1st. Mm. And that was a national date. And the reason was is because school starts in August. So all the kids mm. are on campus. Well, the great state of Florida, my state, which I love dearly, <laughs> fucked it all up. And I hope I can curse on this <laughs> a little bit. Um, sure can. They wanted to be a little yeah. different. They said, we're doing this July 1st. And then everyone, everything got sped up. Well, the right. things that schools are struggling a little bit with is they're trying to educate their athletes on name, image, and likeness. They're trying to educate them right. on this new platform that they need to download and use. But their kids aren't on right. campus. So it's been good for mm-hmm. us as a company where we get to roll out a new software and kind of slowly uh, develop it and slowly roll it out. But everyone using it seems happy. Um, I know at Kansas, they're getting a lot of deals. Um, and we're seeing them and uh, everyone's protected. So it's pretty cool. That's awesome. I, I love I love the the entire concept. And I feel like I saw this coming, whether it was you or someone else. You know, I know the athletes have been fighting this for a long time. Both Anthony and I have a lot of buddies that went on to play in Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three schools. And, you know, they might not be the the big shots of the school, but they can definitely take advantage of services like this. But I want to shift the, the the needle a little bit and ask you from a business perspective, because at the end of the day, you're helping athletes, you're helping schools, but you're a tech company, you're a business, right? I can't imagine, you know, especially like you mentioned, there's some bugs you had to work out. What were some of the obstacles that you had to jump through in the beginning or like walk us through that process of, of a startup, right? Because a lot of people that listen to our podcast, they might want to start their own tech company one day, or they might be yeah, starting, you know, a company as we speak, and they might, you know, benefit from some of the, the advice and some of the experience that you went through. Yeah. All right. So a few things. One, set proper expectations 
with your initial clients. We give a reduced price to our first five schools that really launched this. And what we said to them was, is look, this is a new product in a new space. We don't have the ability to get 2,000 testers before we send it out. There's going to be issues. All right. But we also want you to help develop this. These schools have been working with us since last February. So we gave them a reduced rate. But whenever there was a setback, whenever there was an issue, which there weren't many, um, we were always honest about it and upfront about it. We didn't oversell. We didn't overpromise. The first week, yeah. mm-hmm. we were in constant communication. Okay? Mm-hmm. So if there was an issue, the school heard about it from us first, and we just worked with them. Honesty, communication, it's so hard because you want to sell your product and you feel like you're in this race to do it, right? The market, you know, it's first to market. Slow and steady wins the race, as hard as that is from a sales standpoint, because once you build your reputation, it literally takes one moment to ruin it and then you don't get it back, all right? If you follow a lot of tech companies and really business in any industry, it's not always the first person there that wins. It's the one that does it right that is consistent. And so we've had a lot of sleepless nights as we built this, trying to hit deadlines. Um, I have never been more stressed. I have never been more tired. I've never been more run down, but I've never been happier. Um, and so another thing we learned in the tech startup is the ability to fundraise, okay? Investors are not going to always understand your product fully and your vision fully. What investors look for outside of just the numbers is can they is you are you the right team to get this done? And what's your story, your why? Why did you get into this? That's more important than anything else. If you're just doing something and you you're trying to just do something to make money, people will read through you. When we tell my story of football saved me. So I coached and I met these people and then we developed it with them, right? That story was an easy sell. We were able, pre-revenue without a dollar, okay, pre-revenue, we were able to raise $1.5 million at a $7.5 million valuation with angel investors solely because people believed in what we were doing. And we didn't have a product yet. We were still building it. We had four schools committed, but they weren't paying us. Um, and it was just our core four people and our tech team that we were paying out of pocket. And we were able in 60 days to get about 20 separate people to, to give $1.5 million. And so that's how by being, and we were honest with them, right? Because again, once someone gets wind of your bullshit, it will spread like wildfire. And it's so easy, especially when you're young to want to, sell and sell in a way that is not necessarily a hundred percent truthful. and can be a little misleading. That will come back to bite you. There's always someone in the room smarter than you. Never forget that. Even if you are the smartest person in the room, someone's smarter than you in one aspect. Okay. Just always be conscious of that. And my mom has a great phrase, which is the truth remains the same. It's the lies that change. The truth remains the truth. You don't have to ever change your story. It's lies that change over time, and that's what gets you caught. Your stories change. Your your approach changes. Your pitch changes. If you stay true to you, you, you it's one pitch all the time. Right. It's the same yeah. thing. There's nothing to hide. You don't have to think, oh, what did I say? It's the same pitch the entire time. And it's okay to have a setback. Listen. Right. Well, I'll right. never forget. We um, We were talking with one of our lead investors. And we thought we were going to get a school and we didn't get them. And I had to break the bad news. And I I was dreading the call. I was dreading it. And I get on the call with him and he goes, it's about time. Thank God. I go, what do you mean? He goes, you're a startup tech company. Things are going to go wrong. He's like, I thought you were kind of BSing us because nothing was going wrong. This is what makes me think (laughs) we're going to do well. That you're going through the speed bumps. But that's the key. With adversity. You got to treat it as a speed bump and not a roadblock. If you treat it as a roadblock and let it stop you, you're done. If you treat it as a speed bump, you go over it, you slow down, um, but you just keep going and you'll be fine. Fake it till you make it on that aspect. Just keep going. Adversity adversity makes us all better. I love that. I I feel like a lot of us um, or a lot of people, 
think that you, the product that you come out with has to be perfect. It has to be the perfect product. You have to have everything figured out. But you just said it yourself. Just just have the idea and, and execute. Just go out and, and you learn with time and you learn with failure and you learn from these experiences. But if you just wait for the perfect product, you're always going to be waiting, yeah. I feel yeah. like, in my opinion. Always, um, always. It'll never be perfect. Um, it'll never be but perfect. That's, yeah. But that's because if you get to a point where you're releasing a product like this and you raise money, you expect perfection. Um, mm. You'll never reach perfection, but if you strive for it, you'll get close enough. And so, yeah, don't be afraid. Of, don't be afraid of failure. We've pivoted Athlions and changed so many things in Athlions. We we launched March first of twenty twenty, so we're about a year and a half in. I mean, we we've changed so many things, and to see where the product is now versus what our initial vision was is insane. Hmm. And so don't. <laughs> and, and that's another yeah. thing. Don't be married to certain ideas. Be willing to listen, mm. right? Mm. Be willing to listen to your team. You got in. You got in a business with your team for a reason. Know what their strengths are, and if they're talking about something that is their strength, listen. That's like the best leadership advice I can give you. Be willing to listen to others where their strengths are. Um, don't feel like that you have to do this on your own. If you do something on your own, you'll not, you won't get it done. Absolutely, I think. And something that you mentioned before, and it's something that I hold true to, you know, near and dear to my heart is something I've always told me, something that my mentor told me once. And he said, don't worry about being first, but worry about being best. And this, this goes back to what you mentioned about all these tech companies are rushing to get to the finish line. But, you know, like you mentioned, slow and steady wins the race because some of those guys might have all these bugs and, you know, you know, investments that might not go through and then things don't happen. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're still going to cross that finish line and you're going to, you're going to win. Yeah, right? and I think, yeah. I'll give you an example on that. We've got, we've got competitors and we have this awesome final product, but we decided to do a slow rollout where we give the base and then we release features because we didn't want it to crash and have like major issues. We knew there'd be some. And I was worried about that, right? I was like, ah, I want, I want them to see the product day one. And my chief of product officer, chief product officer who runs the product is like, Listen, I've got experience in tech. There's a way to do it. Let's just be honest with the schools and give them this this the 60 day approach on how we're going to roll the product out. Right? It's why we gave them price reduction, um, and one of the reasons why they're trusting us is because we always do the right thing and tell them. So I gave in. One of our competitors released their entire product day one. It crashed. It was down for an entire week. We didn't have that issue, um, and so we're still standing, and they're scrambling. And they'll be fine. They're a fine company. But I listen to the people that are experts in their area, right? I don't build code. I don't write code, but my coders do. And if they tell me this is the best way to do it and they explain it in a way that I agree and they, and they fight me on it, I'm going to listen. And that's what your job is as a leader. How can you keep your team happy but also on point um, and also make them feel like they're a part of the team. Too many leaders you see, it's my company and you work for me. Well, that's fine, but then you're going to get nine to five employees. And if you want to build a successful company, especially on the tech level, there's going to be some sleepless nights. And the only way you're going to get that work out of those employees is if they have not just incentive, but they're entrenched in it they're part of the culture they they feel a sense of pride in the company and so that's that's uh not easy to do um but it's a key it's, and it took yeah. me a long time to figure it out absolutely and i, I know gabe was going to say something now but very quickly i agree 100 percent with you because your team is everything the, the people you choose to be around you making these decisions as you can see as you just testified is huge I mean, Gabriel and I, the great thing about our, our partnership between Gabe and I is that not only are we best friends, but he's good at what I'm bad at. And I'm good at what he's bad at. So we complement each other in that way. That's how my law partner is that usually sits next to me, um, who's our chief. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And it works. His father it works. Started, it's like, so his father started Anthony Coalfire Pizza, Runway 84, serial entrepreneur. Oh, I'll wow. never forget our first lunch. We opened, we opened March 1st, 2019. 2018, I don't even remember at this point. Um, and we go to Capitol Grill for lunch. He treated us because we had no money when we started our company. And he goes, the best advice I'm going to give you is this. You guys are opposites. 
Anthony, you're great at certain things. Peter, you're great at certain things. When Peter talks about the things and is passionate about the things he's great at, Anthony, you listen and you defer and vice versa. And it's total truth. Bobby Bowden is the winningest coach in college football history, right? Great coach. He was once asked what makes him such a great coach. And he said, because I have the best assistant coaches. I surrounded myself with the best and I just oversee them. I don't micromanage them. When you have that trust in your in your employees, let them work, trust them. And then they'll feel a part of the culture and the company and they'll go the extra mile. And we've already talked about earlier, the difference between good and great is the small things. The only way you'll get the small things out of your employees and people that work for you is if they feel like the company is theirs as well. You know, the, the, the difference that you mentioned it right there, I think what makes a great leader, CEO, boss, whatever you want to call it. I don't like using the word boss because it has a negative connotation to it. I don't like the word CEO it. either. I don't like the word boss. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, but I would, I would stick with the word leader. I think what makes a great leader, and we've talked about this on, on, other, on other podcasts, and I think what really makes a great leader is at the end of the day, your job is to serve others. And this even goes back to what you, what you talked about, you know, on your trip with Blue Missions. It's to serve your employees, it's to serve your partners, it's to serve the people that are working with you because if you are making them comfortable and you make them feel good, then in turn, they're going to be incentivized, like you mentioned, yeah. to, to be part of this and feel like they belong. Let's talk about it from like a leadership role because Michael Jordan wasn't his teammates' bosses, although there's argument about that. <laughs> Michael demanded so much from his teammates and he was once asked... Like, do you feel bad about being so demanding? And he said, no, because I never ask a teammate to do something that I'm not myself willing to do. If I want them to stay late for practice, I'm staying late for practice. That's so good. If they need to to improve their jump shot, I'm going to improve my jump shot with them. If we need to get stronger in the gym, I'm going to lift with them, Mm. right? You cannot ask your employees to give the extra effort that you want and stay the extra hours if you yourself on a consistent mm-hmm. basis aren't going to do it too. People see things. People are smarter than you think they are. They are per- they are perceptive. If you cut corners, so are they. It's your company. Why would they put an extra effort if you're not going to? Right. That's right. And on, on that note, wouldn't you also say that – since the people like for in your case, the people that create a company that you, you created it maybe with a buddy of yours and now you start hiring employees. I, I, I think that a lot of issues that, that those um, leaders have in those companies is that they expect those employees to care as much as they do. Yeah. You know, that's only an issue in my opinion, if you're not giving them the reason to care. We talk a lot about it at Alliance culture. Mm-hmm. Not everything has to be a financial incentive, though. Yeah. But mm-hmm. there are ways to get people to care. People care about things if they see how passionate you are about that 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 cause. Mm. If people see that I'm willing to put my life on the line for athletes and not take a salary right away and live lean and come in the office at 8 a.m. and leave at 7 o'clock every night, answer their calls – if they have a family emergency, I step in and, and take over for them. We don't we don't bean count on how many days they take off. And I, if you show that you care about them and the business, they will care about your business. No one's going to care as much as you, and that's fine. But it's all about incentivizing people and learning about who is working for you and understanding them. Will learn how you can incentivize them. Not everyone's driven by money. Some people are driven by lifestyle. Some people are, are driven by accommodations. Take the time to learn about your employees, learn what tick, what makes them tick, and then from there incentivize them. If it's financially, do it. If it's in potential equity, do it. If it's in paid vacation, do it. Um, as long as they're a good employee, find what makes them tick. And if you can as a company, do it. And if you can't accommodate, be honest with them. Why? Don't just say no. Always say, always give people the why. I love it. I love it. Pete, you have uh, such a, an incredible story. Not only that, and you know, I, I've learned over the past six months 
that telling your story is very important and you tell it well and it's clear and you know you raise 1.2 million dollars based off that story 1. which 1.5 excuse me sorry <laughs> but uh you know to to go off that you know i i want to ask you uh before we wrap up i know your story started with you know young athletes you know mentoring them and now those athletes are young professionals some of them in the league already what advice would you give to a young athlete that may be in high school right now um, that maybe has some division one, two offers, you know, go to, to go play college basketball, football, baseball. What advice would you give them? Grind. Block out the noise and just go to work on the process. You brought up Rashad Wild Goose earlier. Um, Rashad is the definition of this. Rashad played high school football in Miami at Northwestern, a powerhouse. Um, but I don't think anyone would necessarily say he was the best player on the team. Um, he wasn't a five-star. I've coached some five-stars. He wasn't the most recruited. Um, we sent kids to Miami, Alabama. He went to Wisconsin. Although a lot of kids that I coached, when they got to college, they fell in love with the celebrity. Rashad never did that. Rashad just worked and worked and worked. Winter break, he came down here, he worked. COVID, he worked. Every day was an opportunity to get better. He didn't give a shit about that Instagram. He didn't give a shit about Twitter. He just worked. And of all the kids that I coached that went all over the country, we're talking about probably over 30 kids, D1. He's the first one that was able to go to the NFL by leaving early because he was ready. And he's the first one in the NFL. It is not about where you start. It is about putting in the work and growing that forest and going where you want to go. I don't care if you're a Division II football player. If you believe in yourself, go to fucking work. Every day is an opportunity to get better. Every day is an opportunity to grow a tree, to plant a tree. And if you plant enough, you'll see the forest. It's wow. never by accident. Nothing's by accident. Nope. And nothing is true luck. That's why I like the phrase serendipitous luck. We put ourselves in position Mm. to accept Mm. luck. Uh, The best example I have in this, um, I don't know, I don't mean to plug another podcast on here, but I'm a big fan of how I built this. I don't know if you guys have ever listened to it. Definitely, yeah. One of their episodes they had on um, the founders of Warby Parker. And Warby Parker, the glasses company, is blown up. And they asked the CEO how much of luck played into it. And he talked about serendipitous luck. This is where I heard about it for the first time. And the, 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 the defining moment in, um, in Warby Parker was they couldn't figure out how to price their glasses. It, may, it, it cost them like five bucks to make their glasses, right? So they started charging $20. No one wanted them because people thought they were too cheap, right? They started charging $200. Nobody wanted them because they thought they were too expensive. Well, the three founders were at the time were at Wharton, uh, the business school at, at Penn. And they were an entrepreneurial class. And they went and they spoke to their professor. And their professor was like, charge $99. And that's when their company blew up. So again, they were asked how much of this was about luck. And they said, well, we were lucky that we had that meeting with that professor. That changed our lives. But a year later, when the company started doing well, we learned from the professor that he never takes meetings with kids, with, with, uh, with um, students. He made an exception because those three individuals had the three highest grades in the class. They showed up every day, never missed one class, and every day they sat in the front row. And so he said, you know what? Those kids earned the chance to meet with me. I'm going to help them out. And so they got lucky that the professor gave them that, that piece of advice. But if not for doing the right thing every day, they would have never had that opportunity to get that advice. So that's what I mean by serendipitous luck and doing the right thing. The harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah. I think I think that's that's another another one that and we could throw sayings out here all day, but I, I I've listened to that podcast and I was listening to it today, you know, shameless plug, but how I built this is one of uh one of the podcasts that I definitely draw inspiration from all the time and really, really great stories on there. But I couldn't agree more, Pete. And last question before we wrap up. I know Athlions is a little bit, you know, 
they're, they're a very young company. You guys are only about a year and a half. And, you know, this compliance thing with NIL just, you know, launched a couple of days ago, even a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, really, but what does the future hold? What does the future hold for Athlions? You know, I know you guys, especially you individually, you, you preach financial literacy and, you know, all these, you know, you want to teach this to these kids. Is there anything else that we can expect from Athlions in the next, you know, two to five years? On, on a different level as far as, you know, maybe some courses for college uh, college athletes. Yeah, we're, we're already things. doing that and developing it. So through our course, uh, through our platform, we do education. So we do financial literacy. Um, our nice. financial literacy is developed by Didier Occident, who uh, works with Northwestern Mutual and has a company called Secure the Bag. We do tax literacy. We're working on integrations with third-party marketplaces. So let's say um, I'm Peter and I play football at Kansas. I sign up for like a marketplace called Icon Source or Dreamfield, and someone offers me an opportunity to make money, all I have to do is click a button and it sends it over to Athlients for compliance review. I don't have to actually input it. Um, we've got some nice. other things. Wow. We've got some other things in the work on streamlining, but really it's about continuing to try and perfect our core mm. product so mm. we protect as many kids as possible. Um, so that no student athlete falls through the cracks and violates their eligibility on our watch. That's what we're, that's, it, we're, we're a baby company. We got a lot of work mm. to do and we embrace that challenge. That's incredible, Peter. And it's so evident your why, right? Going back to your why, we, we know we're, we just met you, or at least it's the first time I met you now. We've been talking here for about an hour and I can tell within these 50 minutes that we've been talking that you're so passionate about your product. You really care about perfecting it and, and taking it to the next level. So I, I applaud you for that. And thank you so much for coming on to our podcast to share your story, to share your why. Uh, because without a doubt, you've inspired some people listening. I know you've inspired me to go on and do uh, great things with this podcast and take it to the next level. So I appreciate you coming on. Uh, but before you leave, where can our listeners find you? Are you on Instagram, Twitter? How can they contact you? Yeah, man. On Twitter, um, N-I-L-P. On uh, Instagram, I'm the human attorney, um, H-U-M-A-N-I-T-T-O-R-N-E-Y. Nice. Um, I came up with that. I didn't come up with it, actually. I was on my mission trip. And we, after we did the To Live Is To Serve, after that talk, I'm talking yep. with a high schooler. I'm like, man, you know, I feel like I'm a humanitarian, <laughs> but I'm an attorney. You know, and she's like, no, you're the human attorney. So that's the Instagram. <laughs> and then you can, there you, go. you can learn about Athlience. Um Athlions.co, not .com, where you can follow us on all uh, social media platforms. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, you so much, Peter, first. for joining us. Appreciate it, Pete. For all the college athletes out there, Athlions, Pete's Pete, your man. Make that Appreciate money, it, but stay compliant. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's get it. Right. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode. Whether you are an athlete or not, I'm sure you can learn from Pete's story, as have I. And for those of you who are or know someone who is a college athlete, please be sure to check out Pete's company, Athlions, for name, image, and likeness. And I'm sure they'll be willing to help in any way they can. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave us a rating and review. It really does help us so much. And as always, mindset out.